How many times have you called a client in the last three days, left a voicemail, and then had somebody call back and say, I had a missed call from you, not even having listened to the voicemail? Look, the data shows clients want texting, they want online and digital communication. So if your practice does not offer texting two-way with your clients, you are missing out in a big way. And you're also in luck because our friends at Simple Texting have done the research that one in three clients check their text notifications within a minute of receiving a text. One in three. And that goes up to 85% of all of our clients within the first five minutes after receiving a text. So if you're listening to this and your practice isn't yet texting two-way with your clients, you are missing out in a big way. And I don't want you to miss out anymore. And neither does Andy. So our friends at Simple Texting have put together a deal for you, our uncharted listeners. That's right. They have got texting plans that you can try for free for 14 days. But if you go to simpletexting.com forward slash uncharted, they are going to give you up to $100 worth of free credits when you sign up for texting for your clinic. There is no reason, none whatsoever today to not be texting with your clients. So if this is you, head over to simpletexting.com forward slash uncharted, get your deal, check out all of the amazing options. Hey, everybody, I am Stephanie Goss, and this is another episode of the Uncharted Podcast. This week on the podcast, Andy and I are back in the mailbag tackling a question from a licensed technician who happens to feel cursed by their promotion. That's right. They were promoted by necessity about a year ago and are really struggling with feeling like all they're doing is chasing their tail and putting out fires. And I really loved having this conversation with Andy, least of all because I immediately felt my heartstrings tugged when reading this email because so many of us, I think feel promoted and then feel like we are learning trial by fire. And this technician asked some great questions and I had a blast talking this out. Let's get into it, shall we? And now the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me, Dr. Andy Rourke and the one and only Stephanie. I want to go back, but I can't go back. I know God's. <laughs> Hi, Andy Rourke. How's it going? Oh, man. It's it's good. Things are crazy. Um, yeah, it's good. I <laughs> I uh, so I went I've been traveling and mm-hmm. I went and traveled with my daughter, my oldest daughter, and she went to youth nationals for Olympic weightlifting in Colorado. And okay. she did great. But that was not the highlight of her trip. The highlight of her trip was we went hiking after the day after she did her competition. Okay. And so we went to this place in Colorado Springs called the Garden of the Gods, which was amazing. It's this just rock, this crazy rock formation and just, just absolutely like beautiful red rocks spiking out of the ground. It's just, it's, it's absolutely incredible. There's nothing like it on the East Coast, nothing remotely like it. It's like another Okay. Planet. And so we were there and we were hiking. You're like, oh, she enjoyed the hiking. She did not enjoy the hiking. She is not... <laughs> She is not a cardio person. She has short little legs like Stephanie Goss, you know? So it us hiking looks like you and me at a conference where I'm striding, you know? And I'm running. And I'm running to keep up. running. Like, like I'm, I'm a good three meters ahead of you just going. And you're just coming along trucking, like jogging behind. And like, that's how Jacqueline and I hike as well. 
and said, so we're hiking. Uh, <laughs> I, feel Jack, I feel Jacqueline's pain. Oh, yeah. She's like, she's like 5'1". You know, she's, she's, a, she's a pocket titan is what uh-huh. I call her. Um, and so anyway, so she's, she's trucking along after me. And I love dogs, as you know. Yes. But I do not love dogs like Jacqueline Rourke loves dogs. I mean, she is so into dogs. Like, okay. she loves dogs. And there on the trail is a beautiful, dorky, happy, golden retriever. All right. And Jacqueline sees her and goes, oh. <gasps> and then she says, can I, can I pet? And they said, sure. And they reached down and they took the dog off the leash and they said, get her, Moose. And so Moose, yes, Moose comes (laughs) shooting towards her. And it was like in the movies when the two people are running through the field, you know, arms Uh spread towards each other. But it's Moose and it's Jacqueline and they're running. And I just, I see her just swelling with joy (laughs) as this dog approaches. And then as she goes to close her arms around this magnificent beast, he jukes to the right, goes right (laughs) past her (laughs) and runs directly to me, who is not doing anything. Like, I just want to be real clear here. I was not calling him. I wasn't like, ooh, I got treats in my pocket. I I did not do it. I was 100% minding my business, watching the joy on my daughter's face. Uh And he just like... The, the the funniest part was how close he got to letting her throw her arms around his neck before, <laughs> oh, before he bounced to the left. Jacqueline. Oh, I, her <laughs> heart just broke into pieces on the trail. And I laughed so hard. And the owner was like, oh, he loves dudes. Sorry. He loves dudes. And so... <laughs> So two, oh, she was devastated until, until, until she came over to where I was. But Moose was so into me. And it was like, you know, a couple life lessons there. Um, First one is you can't want it too much. Like that's, that's a a rule in life is you can't want it too much. Uh, The second rule is Moose loves dudes. And the third lesson is, I'm awesome. <laughs> I am I'm clearly awesome. So that's what, that's what, oh. that's what we did. Uh, that's what we did on our trip. Poor Jacqueline. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but she's amazing, and she's badass. Uh, and she, she's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and she, amazing. Uh, she competed at the Nationals, which is a huge accomplishment. She did. She did. She did really well. She, um, you know, the, it was one of those things. You know, when you, I don't know, I'm sure you've had this experience. Like, there are times when you're not proud of your kid's success. You're proud of the toughness they showed in getting there. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of like, so she got there. And I won't, I won't go into Olympic weightlifting too much other than to say it's real hard. And uh, you only get... You only get to go uh, three times. So mm-hmm. you get you get to like you have to walk up there and you have to pick this bar up. And there's two different kinds of lifts. And each time you only get to pick the bar up three times. So you mm-hmm. get to do and that's it. Like that's, right. that's it. And if if you fail to pick the bar up three times, you you're don't done. like you're like you're disqualified. Like yeah. you got nothing. And um, if you mess up like that's all right. Like you just messed up. And that's that's a big part of it is like, oh, right. It's, it's so mental. It's so right. mental. And she dropped the first lift that she did. And Ugh. I thought, 
oh no. Because right. I knew she had been stressing. Like right. as we were flying out there, imagine the pressure when you're 15 of where my dad is taking me to Colorado right. to do this thing. And, you know, I did not say anything about it, you know, but it's, you know, it, it was, you try to downplay it, but it's clearly a big deal. And, um, and she dropped the first one and I was sitting in the stands and I was like, oh no, this right. is, this is bad. You know, this is where the wheels can fall off. And then to have her come back and she, she accomplished all of her goals that she set for herself. And I was like, the fact that she did it after she dropped the very first lift, yeah. you know, when, when it could have easily just gone into pieces, like, nope, that's, that's resilience, that's toughness. And like, I'm awesome. so much more proud of the fact that she pulled herself back together than I am of how she ultimately, you know, finished. It's just, uh, it, that's been interesting for me to reflect on. Yeah, that's awesome. But yeah, how about you? Oh, it's been, it's been busy. It's been busy. We had also, spo- you know, kid, kid sports happening, although nothing is as cool as, uh, nationals, but Riley uh, went to gymnastics camp uh, this last week, which was totally awesome. Uh, they do a training camp at the university here, and the gymnastics team helps with it. And let me tell you, Andy, I it's funny because I think doing what we do, like I look at other businesses and other industries. And I've always kind of looked, you know, you go somewhere and you go to a restaurant, you have really good customer service and you're like, oh, I had that was great customer service and you can recognize it. And I feel like doing what we do, I go other places and it it particularly impresses me when I see young people being leaders, just like outstanding leadership. And because it's such a learned skill and it's always really impressive to me when I see it in young people. And I was just so impressed with the vulnerability and the honesty that these college gymnasts share with these young girls who look up to them and who, you know, just, I mean, you can just see the adoration on their faces watching these, these college gymnasts, you know, they're like celebrities to these, to these girls and they don't, they're so humble and so kind and honest with the girls about mistakes that they've made and falls that they've had. And, you know, somebody, somebody falls off, off the bars and it's like, you know, I've done that too. And this is how I picked myself back up and you try it again, you know, and it's just that, like, I was just so inspired by that. They could have been like, it's okay, you know, dust yourself off and try again and and stayed up on the pedestal. But they but they didn't. Every single one of them chose to come down to the girl's level and talk to them and engage with them in that like place of everybody makes mistakes and everybody falls and everybody screws it up, you know, um, and it's about what you do next. And I was just so, so impressed. And I I had to be that that proud mom. But I, you know, went up to the coaches afterwards and I just said, you know, I have to tell you, I, you know, I work on <laughs> leadership development for a living. And I said, I was so impressed with your team. Like they were just so kind and so vulnerable and honest with the girls and just really, uh, really, really impressed. Like it was an amazing group of young women. So it was a great experience. It was fun to watch. Uh, it's fun. Like you said, it's really fun to watch your kid really set goals for themselves and go after them. And like, I knew that that was a thing that I was going to get to see eventually, but I didn't know that I would get to see it 
so young and I see it in, yeah. in both the kids in in very in very different ways um right now and it's just it's just fun to watch but uh it's summer it's busy we've ha- we finally have sunshine in Washington and we've been soaking up every <laughs> every moment of the sunshine and uh you know it's it's life is good right now yeah but I am super excited about today's episode yeah. we got <laughs> we got a mailbag question that I just thought was fantastic because I think this is probably going to be one of those episodes where there's a bunch of people going, wait, are they talking about me? (laughs) Because it's something that I think a lot of us have felt. Imposter syndrome is real. So we got an ask from a technician who (laughs) said, I really am afraid that I suck as a manager. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I think I think I might want to go back out on the floor. And they said, you know, I've been a licensed technician for years now. And about a year and a half ago, our manager left and um, they I, I was promoted um, by our by our practice owner. And they were like, you know, I really want to do a good job. I don't really know anything about leadership or management. So I've been reading and trying to learn everything that I can and listening to to podcasts like this. And and they said, but I still don't feel like I'm good at it. <laughs> I'm good at it at all. I yeah. feel like I'm just chasing my tail and chasing people and trying to get them to do what they're supposed to do. And I feel like I spend all my time putting out fires. And it's really disappointing because when I took the position, I was really excited to make some changes. And I told the tech team, like, these are some things that I want to tackle and that, you know, I'm really excited about changing and it's been long enough now that this person has been enrolled that they feel like the rest of the team is starting to judge them and grumbling about how they haven't done any of the things that they said they were going to do. And, uh, you know, they were just like, I feel like I'm drowning. Like, I don't I don't think I'm good at this. I don't think I want to do it. I don't feel like I can just quit and go back to my old job. But there's a lot of days where that's what I want. And they were just like, well, help. <laughs> What what do I do? Yeah, now this is a great question. I have heard a lot of people who were like, "I I got promoted and I don't like it, and uh-huh. I want to go and I want to go back." Yes. All right. Do you want to Do you want to take it first? So you you have been a practice manager. Uh, you were a very good practice manager, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure there were days that you were like, "Why am I here?" And you came off the floor and got promoted up into management as well. So why don't you Why don't you open us up? I did. No, I I think um, for me, it's definitely you're not alone. You know, this is this is one of those ones where I think everybody doubts themselves. And I think even people who choose it doubt themselves. And so I think from a headspace perspective, the biggest thing for me is just recognizing like you are not alone. And that for me, that goes in two ways. One is doing the introspection and the work on yourself to like just really look at how are you feeling and maybe why are you feeling the way that you're feeling. But the other goes to sort of a solutions uh, based based thing when it comes to headspace for me, which is like you're not alone and it makes it easier to talk to other people. And so that's why I love this question, because we should talk about this more because we are a field that promotes people who are really, really good at their jobs but who are not equipped skill-wise for the job that we're promoting them into a lot of the time. And so there are a lot of people out there who feel alone and isolated and feel like I am the only one who sucks. And I think the headspace for me starting place-wise is you're not alone and you are not the only one who sucks. <laughs> and you probably don't suck as much as you think that you do. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I like that a lot. It, it's, um, it's, it, it's, 
it's easy to feel siloed away. Sure. And so it is it is very much easier. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tag on to that with another thing that I've been saying a lot recently, and I I, I wrote about this in the in my newsletter. So if you don't get if you like if you like my rambling stories and <laughs> and stuff like what I'm gonna say, and you don't get the newsletter, you should go over to drandrework.com and sign up for the newsletter. It's totally free, and I write for it every week. Mm-hmm. Every week I I write something. It's something I started months ago, and I I really love, and I don't see me not doing it. And it's a commitment and time, but I get a lot out of it. And what's one of the things I get out of it is sometimes I write stuff, and then people will say words back to me that I know that that's where they came from. And, and it means a lot. And so I've had, uh, I had a friend two days ago uh, reach out to me with a text and she said, the middle of success feels like failure. And that, and I know that she said that to me because that's what I wrote about, uh, uh, you know, a few weeks back is the middle of success feels like failure. And I think that whenever we take on something that's challenging, uh, especially something that we're excited about, there's this excitement going in. There's planning because planning is just talk, you know, and we're we're writing things down and we're having ideas and like there's this. I haven't started yet, so I can't fail. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there's no objective measure of planning. Right. Like you don't know if your plan is good until you try to run it. So, yeah, you like you just go into town and and and, and you're getting fired up and you're getting excited. And that's super fun. And then there's success when you're like, I did it. I made the thing and it was wonderful. And that feels great, too. But what we just kind of skip over is the part where you go from the excited planning to the success. And it is the sucky slog, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about this recently. In movies, we don't see the sucky slog. Right. Because because they just montage. To the happy ending. Yeah. (laughs) That way they montage. You know what I mean? Like you don't see yes you don't see the i don't know the 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 super spy doing their stupid calisthenics training that you know like like yeah. you don't see them going to yoga so that they can do the little poses right. to slide past the lasers like you just you get a clip of them doing some aerobics and then bam and then right. like that they montage past it like uh, rocky is the classic yes. one right you've got yes. this regular bum <laughs> and he's going to exactly fight the champ exactly what i had in my head but it's the, it's the classic. Like you got this guy on uh, who's a street brawler who gets knocked out in his in his local like little boxing bar. Right. And then you he's gonna fight the champion of the world. And how do you get ready? You montage. He's chasing a chicken. He's pulling a sled. He's running, and a bunch of kids are chasing him. And he's climbing the stairs, and like he's doing. But they just montage through it, and then right. big fight success. Full, full scene right. in credits. You know. Right. We don't get to montage in life. And so this, what seems like it should be a short sprint from planning to success, is not. It's this huge slog, and it sucks. And the whole time you're like, why am I not getting better faster? Why am I not accomplishing my like my goals? Why are we not done yet? I never thought this would take so long. And God, if you're recognizing some of those thoughts as, oh, that feels like failure, you're right. And so the middle of success feels like failure. There's no way around that part. You have to go through the crappy part. And so part of this is when you move into a management role, oftentimes if you're in an individual practice, even if you're in a group practice, most of those practices don't talk to each other. So you feel alone. And then the middle of success feels like failure, which means you could be doing great. You're still going to feel like you're struggling Mm -hmm. for a long time. And here's, I may really ruin your day. Here's the really (laughs) sucky part is you (laughs) Let's say that you pull it off and you're successful and everybody tells you that you're awesome. You're going to feel great for about three weeks. 
And then there's going to be another project that you're going to excitedly plan. And then you're going to be right back in the middle of the suck, wondering if you're failing because you're working on the next project. And so there's, I always thought that there was a place where I would be like, yeah, I'm so accomplished. I'm just going to plan it and then we're going to crush it and then success. And I can tell you, I've, I've never found, I've never found that. All that has happened to me is I have ended up back in the suck with more people around me with, with more, you know, with, with more, like, I don't know, with, with, with bigger stakes and bigger projects and more people and resources, but it's still the same. There's the planning and there's success. And in the middle, uh, it feels like failure. And like, I just think that that's true. And so anyway, but I wanted to get that out there because just because you feel like you're not a good manager, that doesn't mean that you're not crushing it. You know, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't. I mean, yeah. yeah. I'm not trying to talk to some people are not good managers and that's okay. That's not, it's not a, it's not, I think that's another part of it is that's not a mark on you as a person. I think a lot of times they're like wrap their self identity up and it's like, I'm yes. not a good practice manager. So I'm a failure as a person. It's like, no, uh, I know I would not be a good practice manager. I, I know I would not be a good practice manager. Yeah. I am not, I, I'm just not detail oriented. I'm a great vision guy. I'm a great cheerleader, man. I can fire people up. But as far as the nuts and bolts of like uh, running the practice day to day, that's not my skill set. It's just, you know, we always say, don't ask a dolphin to climb a tree. Like, you know, I'm a dolphin. Like I'm creative and fun and, and, and can get people excited and things like that. But man, don't ask me to don't ask me to climb a tree. Don't ask me to, to put in the mundane org work that has to happen because I'm just not built for that. Yeah. And, and if I look at that, I can look at that and say, well, I'm just, I'm not that good as a leader. I go, no, that's that's not true. That's just not, that's just not who I am. So anyway, there's sort of uh, two different ideas that sometimes you're great and it doesn't feel that way. And sometimes you're, you're, this is not for you. And that's also fine. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's part of the headspace work for me in terms of the looking at yourself and doing some self-reflection is, you know, this is a person who clearly cares about Mm -hmm. their job and they want to do well. And so when I look at what they sent us, you know, they were concerned about not having gotten to do any of the big things or and about the team grumbling about them not getting to do the things that they said they were going to do when they took the job. Yeah. And so I think part of the headspace is really looking at yourself because it is a it is a hard question and I agree with you. Not everybody can be a manager. And yeah. what the job actually is, I have yet <laughs> I have yet to see very many hospitals. I've seen a few, but it is very few and far between where they actually get it right when it comes to explaining to people what the job actually is. Yeah. And so I think that there are a lot of the people, a lot of people who get, prom- especially in this kind of situation where they get promoted into the job, part of the job process is even figuring out what the hell the job is. And so a lot of times, you know, practice owners are like, hey, I need a manager and you're an amazing technician and everybody gets along really well with you. And so I'm going to promote you. Well, what is the job actually? And a lot of times the vision for what an owner wants and the vision 
that a manager has might not be the same thing. They might share some commonality. And so part of it is going through that that headspace log of figuring out, okay, am I have you been doing the job long enough? If you've been in it for a year, year and a half, you should know what is the job. Right. And then it's it's the self-work to look at it and say, can I actually do this? Do I like managing people? Do I like yeah. managing conflict? Do I like the day-to-day um, so often mundane, you know, task driven work that a manager has to do. Is that your jam? And if the answer is no, that's OK, because mm-hmm. it is not for everybody. And it is some of it is about figuring that out for yourself. And some of it is figuring out for yourself if maybe you do want to do the job and maybe you are good at the job. And I would guess from the info that we have that this is a person who actually is in a position where it just hasn't gone according to plan. And so they're beating themselves up and feeling like a failure. Yeah. And that is a that that's a different, you know, that's a different plan of attack in terms of trying to address it. So I think from a headspace perspective, for me, part of it is sitting down and doing some of the self-reflection and figuring out what is actually bothering you, you know? Yeah. No, do you yeah, do you think, think that you're doing a bad job or is it that you're just feeling like you haven't accomplished the things? Because that's a different plan of attack. Well, I still think that that's really hard, right? Yeah. Like, so, because you oh, never yeah. you never know. And I say this from experience. There's so many times that I, I sit back and I go, am I? I mean, I had, the, I had this today talking to people who are good people and very smart and very capable. And I thought, am I not explaining myself well? Are they not hearing what I'm saying? Are they are they missing something? Am I not communicating this way? And I I don't know. Um, did I talk to a group of people that did not include these other people? And I just assumed that they were. Did I have seven conversations with Stephanie Goss and assume that I had seven conversations with the rest right. of the team? But in reality, I only talked to Goss again and again and again and thought I told everybody like I could see that happening. Mm-hmm. But again, but I, and honestly, I trust these people and they're like, Andy, this is news to us. And there's more than one of them. And I'm like, okay, I know you guys and you're telling me I didn't, I didn't communicate this. And so like, I, you know, like I, but I don't know. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't, they're not saying. Yeah. And again, and so I've been doing this a long time and yeah. I generally feel like I'm a pretty darn good communicator and I've gotten that feedback. And yet still I go, is it me? Is it them? Right. Is it some combination of the yeah. two? I don't know. And I don't think any of us, we, you, you, you know, you never, you never know when you try to, when you try to lead a group and you struggle, there's always this question of, is it them? Is it me? Am I, is it communication between us? Is right. it, you know, is it, is it, is it unrealistic expectations, unclear expectations? I, I, what is this? And, and that, that uncertainty, I really do think is a defining part of, of sort of leading people. And God, it it makes it really hard to know I'm good at this or I'm not good at this because you'll always wrestle back and forth. You know, I went, uh, <laughs> I was flying back right last night from, from Colorado mm-hmm. and I was trying to change flights. And so the guy was uh, unloading one flight and but and he hadn't opened up the other flight that I was trying to get on. So I was trying to move me and Jay forward because we had a long layover and there was another flight. And I was like, oh, we can get on that flight. And he was like, sir, you know, I'm I'm unloading this plane. I haven't opened up the other plane. I'll talk to you when I open up the other plane. It'll be about 12, 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. I was like, Great. No problem. And so I stood there and the number of times that I stood there and heard him say, 
uh, connecting flights are on the board only to have two different people come up to him and say, uh, do you know where my connection is? And he was like, it's on the board <laughs> right there. Like I, and it just, I occurred to me how much of that guy's job uh -huh. was telling people something very clearly and then telling them again <laughs> and telling them again. I don't think he was doing a bad job of making them aware no. that there were connections on the board. Like, and there was signage and everything. Yes. And yet he still spent eight of the 12 minutes. Yes. <laughs> telling people about the board. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think it's anything wrong. I think some of it is just what it means to work with human beings. Yes. Well, it's it's like at Disney when somebody comes up and asks you, what time is the noon parade? Yeah. It's, it's at 12 noon, ma'am. And it's going to yeah. happen right here. And you say it with a smile on your face because yeah. that's just like it is about communication and processing and uh, being human beings and being overwhelmed and overstimulated. And like the airport's a great example of that, where people are just they're they're overwhelmed and overstimulated and they're not thinking straight. And sometimes the things yeah. that come out of your mouth, there is a disconnect. And other times there's there's not. And so I think you hit on two things from a headspace perspective for me. The communication piece is, is certainly part of it, but you brought up expectations. And I think that's really important because yeah. I think part of the headspace um, for, the, for this manager really needs to be looking at three sets of expectations. One is their expectations for themselves. And I think a lot of disappointment can come from can come from that. And the other two are the expectations of their boss. So for me, that goes to back to what was the job, right? Like, does do, are you on the same page? Does your boss think you're doing a wonderful job? Because their expectations of you are different from your expectations for yourself. Oh, yeah. Um, because there can be a lot of disconnect there. And then the third that they brought up in their email was, the expectations of the team, right? And they were involved in that process because that goes back to your communication. So if they had conversations with their fellow techs, hey, I'm super excited because I really want us to be able to, you know, have regular um, flex, you know, I want to be able to have flexible scheduling or, uh, you know, I'm really excited to work on doing your staff schedules further out. Like if they had those communications with their teammates, even if they didn't say, this is a thing that I'm going to accomplish when I take the job, having the conversation could have set expectations in the minds of their teammates. Oh, hey, she's talking to this about, she's talking to us about this, or he's talking to us about this. That must mean this is a thing that they're going to work on. And we tell yeah. ourselves stories all the time. And so it's entirely possible that their team is like, oh, she said this thing one time in conversation. And so if that doesn't happen in the first six months, she has failed to meet our expectations. Well, did you actually set that expectation or was that a story that they told themselves in their head? And so I think part of it is looking at what were the expectations that you set for yourself? What were the expectations that you set with your boss? And what were the expectations that you set for your team? And I think that one of the th mistakes that I made over and over again as a leader was feeling like I started a thing and I set expectations and a lot of times I felt like I failed to meet those expectations and I would just kind of slog through it and try and make up for it because nobody ever told me that this was a thing. Yeah. But somewhere along the line, I told myself the story. I couldn't possibly reset expectations. 
Like, I, I don't know why that didn't occur to me, but there yeah. was just something in my brain that was like, this is what you committed to doing. So this is what you've got to figure out how to deliver. And it never occurred to me on multiple occasions to just say, oh, hey, wait a second. This has occurred. This is a this we're changing course and let's reset the expectations. And it's so silly because it's not hard to do. And I think for me, it was like it was a, a pride thing, I think, and also a um, an integrity and a dedication. And so much of my self-identity when I was managing was wrapped up in my work as a manager. And so for me, it was like I committed to this thing. And if I don't deliver, I am failing. Yeah. That was the story that I was telling myself in my head when really I was setting the expectations in my head. They were not the same expectations necessarily as my boss or my teammate. And if I had stopped and asked what was their expectation, I would have gotten a whole lot of clarity that would have saved myself a lot of heartbreak. But I didn't over and over and over again. And I just bullheaded, dove into it and was like, I'm just going to fix this. And I I really wish that I had stopped on more than one occasion and said, wait a second, what were the expectations that were set here? And said, okay, hey, this was the expectation, the expectation, let's reset the expectation. And so I think that, that the expectation piece is a really important part of the headspace and asking that question. And if you don't know the answer, I think that's where the conversation starts. Yeah. Is sit so, down and ask what their expectation is. Yeah. So I got, um, so I, I want to jump onto these because I really like the way you broke this down. And so expectations of yourself. The uh, the big things I would say is um, it's, you know, we just talked about, you know, sometimes you feel like you're struggling and it's because other other people are hard to manage or you're not getting traction or whatever. I do think, and this is kind of a screw job, is the screw job is you cannot, <laughs> like you cannot control other people. You can't. True. And at the same time, if you really want to be good and you want to continue to grow, you should take as much ownership as you can, which means you are always saying, could I be better? Yes. Um, clearly, I did not communicate this. Right. Could, and I thought about that last night when I'm standing there and people are coming off the plane. I'm like, what could they do? Because this guy's time <laughs> is really being taken. And right. it's not like it's not like the next flight's going to be better. It's going to be the exact same right. thing again. And I'm like, what could we do? And so you should have those thoughts of, you know, like, what what can I own here? You know, wh what can I try to make better? And I think expectations of ourselves is really important. I see again and again that people don't, they don't get clear expectations communicated to them from their boss. And that's sad. And we only have limited control of that. And so if you work with a medical director, say you're a, a manager, medical director team, and the medical director's like, I don't know what you're supposed to be doing. You know, like I'm mm -hmm. doing medicine with the doctors and you're running the techs and I don't know what, you know, what you're supposed right. to do. You go, I, I can't work with that. And there's nothing you can do there. And then, or your director's not, you know, not giving you clear feedback or they're not there enough to give you that feedback. I see a lot of people there who are like, I don't know what the expectations are. And the truth is, the truth is, the people who are who you're supposed to be answering to, they don't know what the expectations are for you either. Right. They, they don't feel empowered to make them or they haven't put in the time to to solidify them or whatever. But, you know, so anyway, you end up in this place where you're saying, what are my expectations for myself? And I go, well, 
the hard truth is, you know, you should always put yourself, push yourself to get better. And a lot of us are going to have to figure out how to get intrinsically, uh, you know, validated, meaning you have to figure out what it means to be a good manager and what is, and what is sustainable. And man, that takes some time. It takes some time to, you know, you have to know what's realistic. And so anyway, so I really love your expectations of yourself. And I think a lot of people have to work on that. The expectations of the bosses, I just want to validate, validate you uh, there as well is to say, a lot of times we make assumptions about what people's expectations are. And I've run into this many, many times in my career with people that have worked for me is that they make assumptions about what is important to me or what I want. And these are good, hardworking people. And guys, a lot of times, sometimes their expectations are lower than mine. Sometimes they're like, <laughs> I thought you'd be cool with it. Um, that's much less that happens much less often than people who are like, I thought you wanted this building you know, built in gold in a week. I'm like, no, nah, I just wanted you to, just wanted, just wanted it, just wanted it done. Um, but but there, I, we had a, um, I had a conversation with with one of our teammates not long ago, like not like a couple of weeks ago, and she came to me and she was like, I am failing, and I was like, What are you talking? What are you talking about? Like you're killing it. Like I, like I'm not sure what metrics you're looking at. But I, you're employee of the month, and she's like, I am, I failed you, and I'm like, <laughs> what? It's like, like you make me self conscious. I'm like, oh, I wish I was as good as she is. Um, and it was just, I, she had, she had set these expectations of being all things to all people and and doing superhuman work, and I was like, good God, if I ever led you to believe that I expected you to be able to do all of these things, you know, in, in this short time. Like, I'm so sorry. I've clearly failed you. But but I think the best thing she could do was come to me and say, and I, I pushed, I would say, I pushed a lot of good people this way. And this is this is something I've screwed up, is that I, I, I am, try to empower people and I expect a lot out of people. I do, you know, and I'm like, I expect you guys to work hard, do, do good work. And I hire great people and, and try to give them the tools and, and support them. And I need people to push back sometimes. And because I don't, you know, like I can say I am, I'm busy and I, you know, I talk about what's important and, and you can get me excited about things that we could do and things like that. I need you to come back to me and say, well, these are the things that I'm working on. What are your expectations? What are your priorities? You know, and have that conversation with me. But I have, I have burned good employees out before because, and not by, not by cracking the whip, but just by being excited about what they were doing and, you know, and, and assuming that they would tell me when they were like, Hey, look, I'm, I'm really at capacity mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. or to say, what do you want me to stop doing so that I can take this on? Mm-hmm. And like, I try to coach people to use that language. Like, these are the things that I'm working on right now. Where does this fit into the priority list? Or what do you want me to put on pause in order to get this done? And I expect they'll do that. But I've had people who are great who did not do that. And I didn't realize how much they were doing or what they thought the expectations were until they were really burned out. And then I I kick myself pretty hard about that and try to try to bring them back from the edge, but that, that's that's tough. And so, anyway, expectations of your boss. I think I think you're right. And the last is expectations of the team. Um, <laughs> there's that old saying that I really like. Um, I don't know the key to success, but the key to failure is trying to make everyone happy. And there's a lot of truth. There's a lot of truth to that. Yes. And so managing expectations of the team is a skill that we have to learn. And I have seen really good people shoot themselves in the foot by talking about what was going to happen and what they were going to do. And then the timeline 
isn't uh, what it should be. I have been that leader. I have 100% talked excitedly about what we were doing and where we were going. And <laughs> then life happens and you get bogged down in, you know, in the, <laughs> you get bogged down these times. I, I'll tell you an example of this. I was talking to my daughter when we were traveling. So we had a lot of car time. And she asked me, she's like, what happens in Game of Thrones? And I was like, buckle up. Cause we got a long drive. <laughs> and so I just, I gave her the, or like, I basically narrated Game of Thrones as I remember it. And I have a good memory, but I basically narrated <laughs> Game of Thrones. But the way, but the way, but the way I told her about Daenerys Targaryen, I was like, all right, so she's got these dragons and she's, uh, she's freeing slaves and making the world better. And then she just gets bogged down with a bunch of knuckleheads <laughs> that don't want to listen. And, They've all got their own stuff and they whine and they like underscore. And she's like, basically, she's got a, like a toxic employee in there. <laughs> and finally, like she just all she wanted to do was free the slaves and make the world a better place to be. And Jay was like, what happened? She went crazy and killed set everybody. the world on fire and set the world on fire. <laughs> And I was like, basically, that's 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 the story of many, many modern managers. Like, like there's a lot of people who are like, this is terrible, but also I get it. Like, I get where she's coming from. And so anyway, I just sorry, I just ruined Game of Thrones for a lot of people. But I've never seen it and you did not ruin it for me. So oh, yeah. <laughs> now you'll watch it with a different lens. You'll be like, there she is as the young bright-eyed manager. <laughs> yeah, it's got big plans for her practice. And that season, that's like season two. Season one's not as happy, but season uh, two. <laughs> here's, the, here's the thing. Like, I, I love what you said um, about setting the expectations with your boss. And I think that that conversation is really important. And the other thing that I want to throw out is like, I'll use you and I as an example. Like, a, we've both been doing our independent jobs and leading for a long time. And we've been working together for a long time. And still, we have to have those conversations sometimes. And in fact, just before you were getting ready to leave, I was like, oh, hey, hi. I feel like we just had this team meeting and now there's all these things we're excited about. And I am getting ready to go uh, when we're recording this. I'm getting ready to go on vacation too. And I was like, I have a very limited window of time. And now I feel like I have six weeks worth of work that I'm trying to cram into two days. <laughs> what would you like me to prioritize on this list? Because I'm yeah. not going to be able to get to it all. And you guys, like I'll tell you, I've been doing this a really long time. And I think Annie and I communicate really well. It doesn't mean that my palms don't get sweaty. It doesn't mean that I don't get anxious about having the conversation. And it doesn't mean that we don't stumble our way through it. You know, that's one of the things that I think you and I, one of the things you and I both like to talk about is the fact that let's talk about this more because we do yeah. we do screw it up and people will say to me like you you know you were you managed for a really long time and you just have you have all the things figured out I don't have it all figured out and like when I saw this letter I thought about my last practice that I was in before you and I uh, started working together full time Andy because. It was a practice that I walked into. The expectations piece really stood out to me here because I walked into it and it needed a it needed a lot of work. It had been a little neglected, a little abandoned. But I was like, I have the skills. Like I feel confident that I can tackle this. And in my mind, I was like, 
this is a two-year turnaround. And so I was really upfront with them. I was like, this is going to be, it's not going to be, Rome is not built in a day. Like this is going to take me at least two years to turn this practice around. And here's the list of things that are going to need to happen. And I set expectations from the beginning and I thought I set really good expectations. And I got into that middle and I realized, oh, this is a five-year turnaround. This is not a yeah. two-year turnaround. Like there's, I yeah. am uncovering things. I'm unburying sure. the truth. I'm like, there is, this is, we're, it's a little bit of a dumpster fire. It can still be yep. put out and it can be pretty, but like this is going to take longer. And what I didn't do was go back and reset those expectations and say, hey, hi, here's where we're at. And this is going to lengthen the runway. I pushed myself and my team to try and hit that original like goal. And I made a lot of mistakes in the process. And so I think the thing to keep in mind is that this is not exclusive to a new manager. It is not exclusive to and as someone who's been managing for a really long time, like everybody faces this. And so I think the headspace piece of you, you aren't alone in this. And it doesn't matter that you've been a manager for a hot minute or for 15 years. <laughs> like this is, it's about setting those expectations. And I think that piece of it really resonated with me is like, you, you can stop, you can go, you can go back and say, whoa, time out, we're going to pause and let's reset the expectations, whether it's with yourself, whether it's with your boss or whether it's with the, t- the team as a whole. Um, and to your point that, you know, sometimes you have those conversations with your team and people read that to be commitments that you weren't necessarily making as commitments, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so it's oh, like, yeah. okay, hey, I know we had it's it and a lot of people are like, okay, but how do you do that? And so I'm when we get to the how to part, I want to talk about that a little bit because it is hard, but it also is really easy at the same time. And I think it's hard because we build it up in our head so much to be like, oh, I have to have this hard conversation and take back these things that I said I was giving to my team. You don't have to take anything back. You can still commit to them to doing the things. It's about setting expectations and whether that expectation is for the timeline or what it actually looks like. It's about changing those expectations, I think. Yeah, I I agree. All right, let's bust into, let's let's take a quick break and let's bust into some action steps here because there's there's a couple I just want to lay down. I think we talked through a lot of the headspace. I think we got into kind of how you handle this, but I want to try to lay down some action steps. All right, let's do it. Hey friends. Are you a veterinary practice owner? No? Well, are you a veterinary practice manager? If the answer to either of these questions is yes, I want you to keep listening. If it's not yes, you can take a quick pee break or get some water before we head back into the podcast because I've got something for my practice owners and my practice managers. We are hosting our first ever practice leader summit. And if you're not an owner or manager and you're still listening and you're thinking, but I'm a practice leader, don't worry, we've got you, we've got more events coming, but this first one is happening in December in Greenville, South Carolina. It will be decorated for the holidays. We are going to come together. Now, we're gonna come together, but we're gonna be separate. What are you talking about, Stephanie? Well, Andy and I have planned a whole bunch of new content with our team, and we are excited to bring managers together to talk to other managers and owners together to talk to other practice owners. And then we're gonna put everybody together and we are going to get to work. That's right, we're going to work on our practices, our ideal 
hope would be that manager and owner combos can come together, but we recognize that won't work for some practices. So we have plans to hook you up with other owners and managers if you're coming solo on either side. So don't worry, but don't delay. Head over to the website at unchartedvet.com forward slash events because we want to see you there. And that means you have to sign up because this will sell out. Don't miss your chance to come work on your practice with your practice owner, with your practice manager. You can find out more information, including a letter that you can use to convince your boss if you are a practice manager or maybe practice owners, some reverse psychology to use on your manager to get them to come to Greenville with you. Again, it's all up at the website at unchartedvet.com forward slash events. And now back to the podcast. All right, let's let's jump back in, and and we've got a lot of irons in the fire here. We talked a little bit about sort of internal validation, sort of setting expectations for yourself. Yep. We, clearly, there's some co- co- communications with uh, with the practice owner and with the team, you know, to try to yes. sort of set some expectations. Because the first thing we need to do is figure out like, am I bad at this? Am I not bad at this? You know, like like how how am I how am I actually doing? Yeah. And and and, and if you don't have clear expectations, you don't even really know how to get help. And so so the biggest thing is is I think we need to make an action plan. Yep. And so let's start with an action plan here of what are, what are we going to do? Um, there is nothing wrong with being a year or two into a job and being like, hey, I would like to set up a meeting with my direct manager uh, to discuss our expectations. And I want to do an expectation, uh, whatever your corporate lingo is, level set, recheck, check in, yeah. whatever. Like, I want to I want to review expectations. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that that's uh, you can you can always sort of do that. So I think you can make an action plan. When you're looking at this practice, and this person said that they were they were new when they were coming in and they wanted to make changes and they wanted to do things. The way that I have learned to do this that I really want to emphasize is, and we talked before about the team expectations, all those sort of things. The most common thing that I see is people get excited. I think you, you told a great story, which really resonated with me of, I thought this was a two-year turnaround, and then I get into it and it's a five-year turnaround. That's okay. Sometimes we start with a plan. And then we reassess. And the best the best plans are built on when I am going to take what I learn in this step and then set the next part of the plan. And people hate that. They want you to say, this is the plan from number one all the way to the end. And that's lunacy. And I fight with people all the time about it when they're like, Andy, lay down. Don't laugh too hard, Goss. Uh, they... They're like, Andy, we need a plan for this project. And I'm like, you cannot make a plan until you talk to the team and figure out what the problem that's causing this issue is. And I cannot give you a plan with and it's worth that's worth the papers written on. Yeah. Until I know why is this happening. And then when I know why it's happening, then I can give you a plan. Mm-hmm. But it's probably going to have another, there's going to be a, a stretch. We're going to do stuff and then we're going to reassess and decide what the next phase is going to be based on the, uh, you know, what we've accomplished so far. But people, God, they don't want that. They want you to lay down two years that are not going to waver or change. Right. And it's just, it's, it's lunacy. So so anyway, the, the way that I have approached this, that I teach people to approach it, that it's really been life changing for me is when you go in and you're like, I am... I am the new manager here, and these are the things that I want to accomplish. My question to you is, what does done look like? Like, explain to me what this looks like when it's finished. And really, and I'm serious about that question. I Like, if you gave, if you immediately gave me an answer, you probably have not thought enough about this. I want you to really sit down 
and write down for me, what does done look like? Not what does perfect look like? And I have to hammer that on people's minds too. They're like, there'll be this amazing thing and blah, blah, blah. And I go, look, if you can get to perfect, that's awesome. Most of us are never going to get to perfect. And the push it takes to get from really good to perfect, the juice ain't worth the squeeze. Yeah. You know, get really good and then go fix another significant problem. And one day you'll go back and maybe go from really good to perfect. Most of us, it's not even worth planning that. So just what does good look like? And then once we get good, let's deal with the other things that are on fire. And then ultimately we'll come back and try to go from good to to great. Anyway, what does done look like? And so figure that out. And then think about where you are now and think about done and make me some action steps that are going to get you from where you are now to done. Mm -hmm. And then take those action steps and put them on the calendar knowing that you're going to have to figure some things out and that's going to take time. But if you do this and this process of going through the steps and then putting the steps onto the calendar, it makes you look at how much time this is really going to take. And it is amazing how many projects you're like, this will take six weeks. When you figure out what done looks like and you break up in steps and you put those steps on the calendar and this one can't start until the last one is done, it ain't six weeks, it's six months. And you go, wow. And the truth is, nobody cares. Nobody cares at six months instead of six weeks. They want it done. And the truth is, when you zoom out and you look at your practice and your life, the difference in six weeks and six months is nothing. And nobody cares as long as you're making progress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If they don't see progress happening, they'll start to care. But, and again, this is nothing where you have communication and say, hey, these are the expectations. This is the timeline we're working on. You can talk to your team about what you want to get done. And they do not have any expectation of time. Right. Like that, you know, we are all children. We're like, I want it now. When you say this is the plan and this is on the calendar and you can see that a year from now, we will have made these strides. They will go, oh, a year. And then they'll get over it and they'll leave you alone because there's a plan. Right. And the plan is going forward. But guys, I, I don't I don't I hope that doesn't sound too goofy for you, but it is absolutely true. Take the time, lay down the plan, say, this is what we're going to do in the next year. And people will grit their teeth and then they'll let it go. And as long as they see you making progress and they know that there's a plan, they will be happy. But guys, the number one way that we screw ourselves over is we say, we're going to do it. And we don't set a timeline. So everyone assumes three months Mm -hmm. is we can make magic happen in three months. You know, or we set a way too aggressive timeline. And then it doesn't matter that we're making progress because everyone views it as failure. Like you can do amazing work, but you're three months past when this project was supposed to be done and everybody thinks you're awful. It's the same thing as like when we deal with clients and I say the number one way that doctors screw themselves Mm -hmm. is they get on the phone and they're like, I'll call you right back. Right. (laughs) It's like, no, you won't, dude. You'll call before you go home at the end of the day. Why are you saying that? Right. I'll call you first thing in the morning with the blood work results. And it's like, great. If everything goes perfect, you will meet expectations. Right. Why did you do that? Tell them you'll call them in 72 hours and then call them tomorrow morning and you're amazing. Like, yeah. but we we want to make people happy. So we just say to them what they want to hear, which is, I will get this done immediately. Mm-hmm. And it's like, stop trying to make them happy and just be honest about what you're up against and set realistic expectations. So anyway, that that is my number one thing. I, I use that tool all the time. 
But I, my life got a lot better when I started working backwards and saying, this is the timeline that I'm looking at. And you can show it to people. And they'll, when they look at the timeline, they'll go, yeah, I get it. Mm-hmm. That looks right. And the, the other thing that I would add on to that, because that was uh, very similar to my process in the, in the clinic as well. Um, and I used a big um, giant uh, like dry erase calendar so that I could literally like see all 12 months on a big sheet yep. and work my way backwards. The other thing that you have to keep in mind is you have to leave space for the fires. Because if you jam the whole plan into the calendar and you leave no wiggle room, the fact is we're dealing with human beings. There is always going to be yep. a fire. Someone is always going to quit. You are going to have a client catastrophe. You're going to, you know, something is going to happen. And if you make the mistake of jamming it over and over and over again, like as we have said a million times on the podcast, you've created a new business model and it is that you're leaving no margin for error, right? And that is a big mistake that I made repeatedly as a manager, particularly when I was a young manager, is to overestimate, to your point, what I could accomplish and how fast I could accomplish it. Because me by myself with no outside challenges could probably sit down and bang this thing out in two hours. But me trying to help the front desk and handle the angry client and then putting out the patient fire that happens can't accomplish the thing in two hours. And then everybody's like, wait, you said two hours ago you were going to finish this and it's four o'clock. Why isn't it done yet? Well, I've set myself up for that failure, right? So some of it is looking at what does done look like, put it all on the calendar and then step back for a minute and really force yourself to look at that calendar and make space. And it's a fine line because as we know with scheduling, right, we can gatekeep the schedule too much and leave too much free space but there there needs to be a happy medium. And so I think for me, that last step in the process, once you've got it on the calendar and you've worked your way backwards and you've put in the action steps is where are the gaps? Because I'm happy if we can accomplish something faster than we planned, we can think up another project. There's always something that you could work on with your team, right? So you will always be able to put that time to good use, but leave yourself the space because you're working with human beings and it will change. The plan will have to change. And so that's why I think what we talked about in the beginning, like it's about setting those expectations, but did you set those expectations or did you tell yourself a story in your in your head? And so I think it's about stepping back and looking at that and then saying to the team, okay, here's what we're going to do. And we've built some We've built some room in here. We all know that summer in the clinic is always going to be insanity. Don't try and say you're going to accomplish 10 projects in summer in the clinic. Like that's just lunacy. Give yourself a break. Give yourself a buffer. Yeah. In in that same vein, one of the big things that was a game changer for me was breaking things up into phase one, phase two, and phase three. You know, uh, because I said at the very beginning, uh, I said, you know, it's ridiculous. There's things we don't know and we can't, you know, life happens to us. Yeah. And I also said, work, you know, what does done look like and work backwards? And, and you go, well, how do you square those things? Uh, phase one is say, we're going. this is what we're going to accomplish in phase one. And then we're going to reassess and see what we learned and where we are. And then we're going to go into phase two, which is this general, you know, this general approach. And so anyway, it's um, it, all of that is set to extend your timelines. But I think, again, most of us are wildly unrealistic. And so I, yeah, I, I really like your point about trying to be realistic about what we deal with. And the other thing is, there's a lot of things outside of our control. And new things occur that have to get dealt with. And if we work in phases, yes, we'll fall behind. But it's not like this whole project is a year past date. You know, the 
it's just it, it is, there's a mental part to it. Yeah. And sort of a speed and for a speed round to wrap up with the big things I would say is remember your why. Remember why why you're here, what you care about. And I just think that it's easy to lose track of your why. And so just think back on that. The last part is if you get into this and you really decide you don't like it and you're you're struggling here, know that is extremely hard for bosses, managers. They really don't want to have the conversation of demoting someone back down. If you're struggling and you're unhappy, um, don't wait for someone else to come and talk to you about it because it is an awkward conversation that they're, they're going to hate to have. And um, if you really do want to put it down, you might feel like you're letting people down. A lot of times uh, they're going to say, thank you. You know, like, you know, I totally understand. And so that that door can be open. I think if the person if the person who said, I did it, I tried it, I don't like it, I want to go back, I think that feels like failure. I think that that's ridiculous. I, I don't think it is. You say, I tried this, I didn't like it, I want to do something different. Mm -hmm. uh, that's that's it. But it's honestly the easiest thing is for you to have that conversation and be honest about where you're at. Yeah, because I think we think about it vertically. We, we, it, we go up, we can't come back mm -hmm. down. And the reality is, I love what you just said, which is, I tried something and it, I didn't like it, or it wasn't yeah. a fit. It's not up and down. It is okay yes. to go sideways and, uh, you know, kitty corner. Like there's a, the career path is not a linear one. And I think that's right. a mold we have to break in veterinary medicine, especially if we're going to continue to put people into positions that they don't necessarily have the skill set for. We have to recognize as, as leaders of leaders, I'm talking to my practice owners, to my, um, you know, medical directors, multi-site leaders, people who are in charge of supervising other people. We have to recognize that it's not just a linear path. It's not just up, that there has to be space if we're not equipping them ahead of time with the tools for somebody to do a job, try it, see if it fits. And if it's the yeah. wrong size, let them find the right size for them, you know? Yeah, I completely agree. Good stuff. Ooh. Well, that's all I got. This was so fun. I enjoyed this one. one. I enjoyed this one. Take care, everybody. Have a wonderful week. You guys take care. Be well. Well, everybody, that's a wrap on another episode of the podcast. Thanks so much for spending your time with us. We truly enjoy spending part of our week with you. As always, Indy and I enjoyed getting into this topic. Um, I have a tiny little favor to ask, actually two of them. One is if you can go to wherever you source your podcasts from and hit the review button and leave us a review. We love hearing your feedback and knowing what you think of the podcast. And number two, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll see you soon.